Welcome to the Becoming Well podcast, the podcast that explores the intersection of faith and mental health. On this episode of Becoming Well, we are talking all things mama. Oh boy. Good morning, Deb. Good morning. I am excited about our topic today because it is, yeah, it's close to home. It's close to home. Okay. And will you allow me (gasps) to kick off something that I wrote? Please. I was musing. So all of the listeners, by now you guys know that I am a mom of a 17 year old. She would be 17 next week on April 13th, which is crazy, right? When you met her, she was like like 10. Yes. Nine, something like that. A baby. Yes. Yeah, so now she's 17. So I have a lot of musings and reflections Fair. Uh, about motherhood. Okay. And something came to me and it is kind of a play on words from Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Great book of the Bible. Right. And I was thinking about transference and how, you know, in psychology, transference is this idea of um, all of the things that or unfinished business in thoughts and feelings and and experiences that we may project onto someone else, right? And understanding how I parent based on my past, Mm. right? And if my parenting and certain things that I respond to has anything to do with my past, right? Which absolutely a lot of it does, right? (laughs) Parenting absolutely can come out of some unfinished and unresolved things. So one, uh, something that I wrote the other day, so I'm going to kick off with this saying that I just came out with. And I said, transference, oh, transference, all is transference. Generations come and generations go, but mothers will be blamed forever. And so the reason why (laughs) (laughs) mothers will be blamed forever. And that was in one of my moments of, you know, I get from a therapeutic standpoint why historically mothers were blamed because they were the primary caregivers. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they were in the home. It's like a running joke. It all goes back to the mom. It all goes back to the mama. Right. And what I find interesting in parenting is that. Even though we know and even though I know on an intellectual level that it's in anyone from your past can be have an effect. It it definitely has an effect on your uh, future. Right. And who Mm -hmm. you are today. There's a lot of pressures. Still, there's a lot of pressure with mothers. Yeah. Still, even on social media, have you seen where some that maybe something happened or someone did something or a kid did something and a lot of people just didn't like what the kid did? What do people usually say? Where's the kid's mom? Mm -hmm. Never the dad. Never the dad. (laughs) Right. Where's the kid's mama? Yeah. And there's always that that thing of like when dads take care of the kids like they're babysitting. Yes. You know, not always. I shouldn't say that. But like, it's like yeah. there's this, oh, you took care of the kids. I love all the dads that are like, yeah, I'm the dad. I'm the dad. Right. It's not, you know. And it's and it's cute at some point. Right. They'll make it really cute. Yeah. And when dad's babe would take a babysit or when dad's taking care. Right. Exactly. And there's there's just a lot of pressure of being a mom and. Um, yeah, this this episode is really close to me, you know, and kind of trying to figure out what this looks like. Yeah, moms know? and mental health. And I, I want to say this, you know, I I love 
moms. Mm-hmm. I love my mom. My mom's passed away. I have an amazing stepmom. I love my stepmom. Mm-hmm. My sister's a mom. I love all the moms in my life. And moms get a bad rap. Like we're, you know, you're, you're, what I'm hearing is this word that you put out there is more of a self-imposed pressure than truth, mm-hmm. right? So we actually mm-hmm. kind of want to maybe challenge mm-hmm. this perception that it all does come back to the moms mm-hmm. because, you know, a that that's a bit unfair, but I think it also feeds into you know I work with some moms who are clients, and I see this theme of imposed pressure mm-hmm. that isn't fair or right. realistic. You know, there's this movie. Do you remember this movie, um, Date Night, with Steve Carell and Tina Fey? Did you ever see that movie? <laughs> I've never seen You're it, like, but I where love Steve Carell. It's going. <laughs> there's this scene in that movie. They're getting into a big fight. They're sitting in the car, I think. I haven't seen this movie in years, but Tina Fey's character is all stressed about everything she has to do as a mom. Mm. And so, you know, they're trying to connect and they have a hard time connecting as a couple. And and she's like, well, I've got so much going on and I don't have time and I'm working and I'm taking care of the kids. And he's like, but but I can help take care of the kids. Mm. And I don't remember the exact context of the full conversation, but I remember there's this part where... You know, she's like, but you're not going to make the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches the right way. Mm. And he's like, they're peanut Peanut butter butter and and jelly jelly sandwiches. (laughs) You just got to let it go. So I think, you know, because we have this perception that moms have to do so much, Mm -hmm. it's translated into moms placing that expectation. Yes, we've internalized that. And you know what? And when I say we internalize that, it's very unconscious, right? It's not. I don't believe we say I want to be stressed out and it's going to affect our mental health, but I have to be this way because I know it's going to hurt me in the long run. Right. It is this expectation that rarely is rarely challenged by our by us. Right. And I, I'm starting to see many individuals that are challenging that, but it, it still feels very slow. And it might be because I'm in the thick of it right now. Um, and I will say Gen Z and, you know, the latter, you know, the, the, the old or the younger millennials are really, you know, kind of ripping the Band-Aid off of a lot of things. But motherhood is one. It's one of those things. And I and I appreciate that. But it is a very, very, very difficult thing to um, not only process, not only then think about and then think about how to navigate unbecoming you know, all of these things that are detrimental to our mental mental health and unbecoming all of these lies about motherhood. Um, it's just it's it's a it's a it, for me, it's been a very long process of healing. Mm. Even, you know, Craig and I, we we have a very um, uh, I don't know if it's even unconventional. I wouldn't say it's unconventional in terms of our roles in our home, but we definitely do not have these concrete roles in our home. That's gender specific. Right. We have gifts. <laughs> specific in who's most repulsed by one thing and the other person has to do it right so I can't you're doing it you're doing I'm not I hate taking out the trash it's just gross I just hate it right and so Craig does it but it's not because he's a man right and I I love cleaning and I'll clean the bathroom and I'll clean the toilet and he's like great 
that's you, you know? And he actually cooks far more than I do. I hate cooking. I just cannot stand cooking. I do not like cooking, right? And I will cook, but it's definitely because I have to and people will starve, but it's not a joy <laughs> of mine. <laughs> it's survival. <laughs> and Craig, I love him because he, you know, his mom brought him up where he's very self-sufficient. So, and Amaya is very much like that too. So if I don't cook, they're not starving for anyone, right? Yep, <laughs> they yep. will go in there and be like, okay, well, let's let's figure this out. But that doesn't mean that I don't feel the pressure. Yeah. I'm constantly battling being the good enough parent. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the new kind of the term. And I can't remember who coined that term, That it, but it's so good about being this good enough parent. Even though we know that God uh, has placed his child with us and it's that child is ultimately his Mm -hmm. it's really that i I will say that 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 has to be the hardest thing to let go of yeah i can think of you know a lot of things in my life and 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 holds it with an open hand Mm -hmm. right not with a tight fist but it has been very difficult when it comes to my child right yeah oh my gosh that that verse in uh in exodus where moses's mother Mm -hmm. lets him go I'm, you know, I'm not a mom. I've, I've, I've had a, a mother role in some of my siblings' lives. Life, some yeah. of my, I have two siblings. <laughs> Made it sound like I had like, you know, a whole gaggle of siblings. But um, I'm, I'm a lot older than my siblings, and you know, our mom passed away years ago, so I've mm-hmm. taken that role in some sure. ways. But it's not the same. And so, I, I read that when she literally, for the safety of her son's life, places him in this basket and mm-hmm. sets him into the river, and I'm like. Yeah. That would have to be painstakingly yes. difficult. So yes. I'm curious for you, where, what is the most challenging thing for you as a mom in terms of these pressures? And where do you think that comes from? Mm. I think fear that, I guess the most challenging is letting go of the fact that we're not going to be able to produ- produce a perfect kid. Mm, yeah. That's my biggest fear. That even though, again, intellectually, I know I'm not going to produce a perfect kid, but my fear is that I'm, you know, I don't, I'm going to let her down. I'm going to let society down, <laughs> you know, because the society is not for us. We're all, we're also bringing up a kid that's we're hoping to be productive in society right but I think my biggest fear is that I will be a failure in my parenting and Mm -hmm. the the irony of that is I don't even know what that looks like I don't even know what a success looks like in terms of parenting or failure looks like but my biggest fear is that I, I fail as a parent and I don't even have this checklist of what that looks like and that's the strange part about it right we are always um watching our kid as a parent, especially when they start to get into the teenage years, right? Amaya is 17. And so um, you, whether we like it or not, our hand, it, it's kind of like someone's prying our hand open yeah. anyway, right? It's, it's not voluntary. Mm-hmm. At this, you know, when they're younger, you can hold it because they rely on you. They need everything from you. And then as they continue to grow and become a lot more autonomous, they're literally prying that open for you know with whether you like it or not and i and it's hard to let go of that and you know i think and another fear is um 
My identity. It was just thinking that. My identity. And I didn't think, Deb, seriously. I, I remember I was thinking, I'm going to be a mom where, you know, at first it started off as going to be a stay-at-home mom. And then I was like, no, nah, that's not going to work. I tried it. It, it, it. The way our personalities are set up, it didn't work. <laughs> and then, um, then I was like, you know, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to make sure that Amaya sees this strong. And I'm going to be honest, this really strong black woman that could be a role model. I don't want her to feel like she has to go look out you know, externally. And if anyone's going to be a model for her, it's going to be me as a black woman. And so I was very much about that. Motherhood is not my identity. I got to make sure that I'm doing what God wants me to be, you know, do and who he wants me to be. But Deb, motherhood, it's been a struggle. Mm -hmm. I have found constantly, I continue to find that that is a strong part of my identity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even as you're sharing this, and I was thinking, I, I wonder for you if, if as a woman of color, as a black woman, that played into some of the pressure of raising a daughter mm-hmm. who has a role model mm-hmm. as a strong black woman and and being able to see all these things that you have accomplished and done despite many of the challenges and obstacles that have been placed in your way, mm-hmm. which just adds that additional layer of of pressure mm-hmm. and and in a very different and you know unrelated way or, or different and and you know some overlapping I was thinking about it made me think of my own mom during a season of my life so I'm adopted yeah and which you know I said that to you like you had no idea by the way <laughs> we've, we've been friends for a very long time right. let me tell you the secret it's get out yeah <laughs> um and I remember the season of my life I I must have been you know, eighth grade freshman. And to me, looking back on it, very normal developmentally, Mm. I started having a curiosity about my biological family. Mm. And, you know, it was innocent. It was just kind of looking at my family, looking at myself and going, I don't necessarily look like these people Mm. uh, on the outside. Um, You know, what would my biological mom have the same mannerisms as me? And I remember going to my my mom at the time and just kind of expressing these curiosities and uh, and she didn't necessarily handle it too well. Mm. And and, you know, she kind of started questioning like, well, do I not love you enough? Have I done Mm. something wrong? And, you know, I look back on it now as an adult and I can say and especially knowing these amazing moms in my life and and knowing what uh, what an honor it is to be a mom, but what a challenge it brings and the identity pieces and the pressure you said. Mm-hmm. I can look back and go, you know, in that moment, I'm sure those questions were coming from her own insecurities. Yes, absolutely. Because a huge part of who she was was tied to the identity of being a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't because, you know, anything I did wrong or, or anything like that. Um, and so, I, you know, that's a, that is... It's a very real experience for moms to have that identity piece wrapped up into their role. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it comes from, and thank you for sharing that. I think it comes from um, a good, um, pure place. And Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is God has given us the ability to carry a child and to be with this child for nine months and to feel the movement and feel the beauty of having a child and, and, and being the, you know, the home of 
a person, you know, a human that he decided that he is going to bless us with. I remember thinking, you know, when Amaya was born, like, I can't believe he gave me this kid. Like, this kid is so dope, right? So it comes from such a beautiful place and such a place that is so, a a, a wonderful expression of who God is and the miracle of birth and and, um, how he wants us to live out caring for his kids. Um, But it then gets, I think, and when I say perverted, I don't mean in a in an erotic way, but it gets twisted and perverted because there is then external factors that come into play in, in, in how we are to look at um, the gift that we have been given. There, there, our past comes into play in terms of how we look at our gift that we have been given, you know, mm-hmm. as our child. So it starts off so pure and so raw and so beautiful. And then the world taints it. Our experiences taint it. Our insecurities taint it, right? Our feelings and our thoughts and our behaviors that, you know, were shaped by earlier experiences taint the way that we actually care for this beautiful gift that God has given us, right? So it's, it's that when we talk about identity, I don't think that it started off, it didn't start off as this thing that we just kind of became a parent and just got insecure, right? It started off as this beautiful charge that God said, I'm going to gift you. I think you, I'm picking you to do this. Yeah. And then that's when sin and the, you know, the not necessarily our personal sins, but just the fall comes into play in terms of how we then, um, start to view motherhood and, mm. and, and we start to then be, I, I started to be selfish and not trusting that God had Amaya's best interest in mind. We're just like, if I don't do this, if I don't think this, if she has to go to church this time, she has to do this, she has to have black, she has to know black history, she has to make sure we, she holds on to her white side of the family, she likes to like them too, right? And just, <laughs> and, and about being a woman, but then being a, a woman of color, but then does she identify as a woman of color, right? It just, and she's an athlete. All of these different factors that I just started and I continue to struggle with letting myself and letting God handle mm. And it is because of the fall and it is because it is our sinful nature of wanting to hold on. And it is, you know, eventually lack of faith. Right. But it's so um, confusing and convoluted and and, and has so many and multi-layered, (laughs) you know. But even as you're describing this, I'm picturing mothers having this really unique gift or opportunity to almost experience on a very, very minute level what scripture describes when it says God groans for his creation, Mm. you know, because I'm thinking Mm -hmm. uh, as you're sharing this, I'm thinking like this is in many ways. And I realize we're putting feelings on God that we can't even begin to comprehend. But I think this is how God in a parallel way feels towards his creation. Mm. Like I, I, I I birthed forth this creation with this vision, this beautiful expectation of all they could fulfill and become as a reflection of me. Oh, but they're in the world. And and God wasn't surprised by this by any means, but they're in the world and they're influenced by the world. Mm -hmm. And and they're surrounded by broken people. Mm -hmm. And they, as a result of the fall, Mm -hmm. gained knowledge and awareness of things that were far beyond what they ever should have been able to to comprehend good and evil. And so now I have to watch them stumble and fall and hurt themselves and hurt others. And Mm. that's just, yeah. I mean, it gives me insight into 
why and where that pressure comes from Mm because it's painful to watch this beautiful gift that you've been given that comes out so innocent and so reliant and attached to you Mm -hmm. and each day is is one step forward in their progression towards entering more into the world and outside of your protection yes it's like watching I always say it's like watching a Mack truck come and you can't push them out the way Mm -hmm. but one thing I did learn and I love that you use that um um analogy and the thoughts of how God sees us is the wonderful thing about that that I have to admit that even though they we watch our kids enter into this world where we know there's a lot of stuff that we don't that's garbage right that's sin that's hard for them to experience that we know that it's inevitable that they experience one thing that God has taught me is that no matter what my daughter may do, I love that child to the death, mm, right? Yeah. When, before I had a kid, I would watch shows and, you know, the kid would be like, you know, if you watch like a murder mystery or something, like even if it's real life, I'm like, uh-uh, no ma'am. I, <laughs> You're I, done. I, I'm You're snitching out. on my kid. I'm telling. <laughs> um, there is no way. And I could not comprehend how you can just say my kid has a good heart though. And it's like, what? You know, I was so judgmental. But I will tell you at this moment, to you and my audience and and our audience, no matter what my child, <laughs> you got her back. I got her back, and I can see myself. But she has a good heart, you know. I can totally see it. And one thing that it did teach me, though, if I, me, being a mere mortal with you know just a human, can love my child through. All of the things that I watch her do through making mistakes and disobeying me and not listening. How much more does he love us through our junk? Yes, that's so true. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, he really has shown me the the capacity, the extension of his love through my parenting. Mm -hmm. Right. Where I'm like, gosh, I still will wake up and kiss her on a cheek and she has to give me a limitation on kisses because I still, she's a tall, beautiful 17-year-old that, it looks like Elf, right? You know, Elf was tall, he sat on his dad's lap because she's way taller than me. And I'm just loving and hugging her and we may have gotten to a huge argument. She might have, you know, been, and she's a great kid, but she's a teenager, right? And she's trying, you know, she's flexing her autonomy and she's definitely in the stages, you know, the developmental stages that are not, you know, unfamiliar to me so things happen and we and but after uh, any you know I can easily just forgive her and love her (laughs) I can picture now all I can picture is like giant daughter sitting on your lap (laughs) oh my my gosh that's so funny um okay but you know you know it's so as you're sharing this I'm thinking about just the reality of mothers is human Mm -hmm. and one thing that we know about in our profession is is this idea of attachment, mm-hmm. right? And different attachment yep. styles. And you've got, sure. um, you know, secure attachment. You've got anxious attachment. You've got avoidant attachment. Mm-hmm. And research now is showing that attachment, it, you know, begins in the womb. Yep. And so to me, we, we started off this episode kind of joking about, you know, how we can, how the, the running joke is... Um, you know, why are you in counseling? What's your mommy issue or whatever? Right, right. And, and yet, 
there's there there is some context to that that I don't think is fair, but but that makes sense to me because with the attachment piece, it starts earlier with moms than with dads. Because right. like you said, you had the opportunity, you had the gift to carry this child in your womb for nine months. You were her home, mm-hmm. and she's being knit together wonderfully in the image of God in your womb. And mm-hmm. those attachment pieces are growing, and so as mothers. Are human in their parenting, mm-hmm. you know, children unconsciously are looking to them for the reflection of their own worth. Mm-hmm. And so when, when, when mothers are human and they maybe say something hurtful or, or they do something without even the intention or the motivation of causing, you know, a detachment, um, children experience that. Mm -hmm. And so they might carry then with them some bitterness, some anger. And and I'm not diminishing the reality that that some people have really been harmed or hurt and experienced trauma from their mothers or, or, you know, other caregivers in their lives. But, but sometimes we, we hold on to things without giving moms permission to be human. Right. And I'm just wondering, you know, in, uh, in terms of the mental health component of motherhood, what it would look like for us to be better advocates of the humanity of mothers. Mm, what it would look like for, well, I, it, w- without the, you know, risk of sounding redundant, because we kind of always go back to this in our podcasts. Um, one thing that I've learned in terms of being advocates for mothers is first having this understanding, like you said, of allowing mothers to be human. Mm-hmm. Um, but also have this understanding that uh, it is important to allow the space for mothers to address a lot of their issues um, when they occur in motherhood. Because for me, I really went through a period of depression mm-hmm. with my daughter, to be honest with you, right after I had her. So postpartum depression. But I also went through a period of depression because one thing well, what, what will happen when you have children is that you, you, you can't prepare the, about you can't prepare the things that are going to um, trigger you or that are going to emerge until you have a kid, mm-hmm. right? There, you repress all kind of things, and then you will see. Oftentimes, you will see your kid going through that same developmental stage with some of the same issues and some of the some same ways that um, remind you of your childhood. And that's where I believe a lot of the, and I don't mean pathology in a pejorative term, but that's where a lot of anxiety or depression and so forth will come from, is because they are unresolved issues that you repressed and didn't even know they were there. Yeah. Right. So if Amaya, when she, you know, went from, you know, this, this, you know, tomboy, she played, you know, all the kind of sports and then she got into middle school and that's where all the drama happens. The parents are white noise. The children are, you know, their peers are their number one, you know, voice and conflict arises, uh, being attracted to the opposite sex. That's going to trigger things in you especially things that are unresolved that happen in your childhood. Mm. So when she was going through a specific stage, I was abused at a certain point during that stage. So even though she was not, guess I overreacted in many ways because I was overreacting through my experiences and my lens and trying to shield her from uh, uh, experiencing what I experienced. 
right? And so that really played on, uh, that played on my mental health dramatically because I didn't know how to navigate in and uh, be at uh, a place where I can um, have some kind of stability, some cognitive stability, and uh, enough to parent her through that. Mm-hmm. Because I was, I, I, it, at some level, it was shocking. Some of the things were shocking to me because they just feel like, and we know it's not out of the blue. We know that it is, or it's our or things that are emerging out of our unconscious or whatever take you, you know, whether it's repression um, or, like I say, unfinished business. Uh, it really played on my self-esteem and my self-concept of who I am as a parent because I thought, okay, how am I going to parent through this? And I have so much hurt and pain and garbage. And the way that I'm directing her is not for Amaya. It is out of fear. Hmm. Yeah, I hear what you're yeah. saying. And and I, and it's to me, it speaks to this larger question of, mental health and wellness and how we create space Mm. to explore and to validate that, Mm -hmm. right? And we're talking specifically about the context of motherhood and the unique challenges that you just shared that you face that I would imagine many of our listeners who are mothers could relate to. Mm -hmm. But it comes back to that issue of stigma Mm -hmm. and You know, that applies to the expectation of what it looks like to be a good mother, Mm -hmm. which is other and Mm self-imposed. It 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 plays to the expectation or the stigma of what our children should look like in Mm -hmm. this world, which Mm -hmm. is self and other imposed. Mm -hmm. And then it speaks to the stigma of navigating mental Mm -hmm. health challenges and, you know, what is other and Mm self-imposed. And so what I'm hearing from you is this need kind of coming back to this idea of allowing humanity or, or validating or valuing just humanity is both the willingness to say, these are hard things. These Mm -hmm. are patterns in my family of origin that have been passed down from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. These are, um, hormone imbalances that happen Mm -hmm. very commonly as a result of my body, Mm -hmm. you know, changing to create space and a home to, to, to literally, you know, have a child come to full fruition and birth. And, um, and then it's just navigating the brokenness of the world. Right. And yet again, coming back, I mean, we keep using this word pressure, but this idea of pressure that, that doesn't really give space for for moms to just be human, right? And it's that space that's within the 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 the, the moment, mm-hmm. right? We I think sometimes as as a society as well as the church will prepare, try to be proactive, which is great in terms of how we should look at motherhood. So mm-hmm. let's if we just keep it in the confines of the church, right? As Christians, we have so many different ways that we'll look at motherhood and how to raise our children. And, you know, and, you know, I had a student come in and do a presentation because she's in children and family ministries today. And she was saying how children are flowers and we're seeds. It was such a beautiful thing. And it's very true. Right. And using very relevant um, uh, theology in terms of how are we to raise our children and how we come into the world and and it was it was such a beautiful thing but so we I believe we allow that space in terms of being proactive in that education but what I find that tends to, what tends to happen is that we expect that to be 
consistent and almost perfect through through uh, parenting. So when something does come up or something, if our child is acting out, if our child is not holding on or behaving in a certain way that is okay with the church or consistent with Christianity sometimes, then there is there space for the mom or someone to say, how is the mom as opposed to where's their mom? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I believe that plays into their one's mental health and the, the, the mother's mental health or the caregiver's mental health, because then it turns to, oh, this is such a beautiful thing to the blame game. If you do not uphold what my view of what your child, how your child should be raised looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it and it takes away the autonomy and it takes away from the um, and when I say autonomy, I don't mean that uh, apart from God, but I mean a healthy independence that children are going to express. There's something that this 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 uh, it, it was on Instagram. Right. That this I, I love his name is Terry Kane. I follow him and he is just such a beautiful, wise man. And something that he said, he kind of does. He does these short takes and he said moms sometimes you couldn't do anything Mm. sometimes your kid is your kid is not you you're not an extension of your kid and that's another pressure that we think they're literally an extension of us therefore everything we do has an impact on them and everything that they do not do correctly has an impact on you know on them yeah where in fact they have to have their own testimony in fact, many times, many things that we teach our children, they'll completely go the opposite direction, right? <laughs> right. right? There's not even, it's not allowing for the reality of the fall. It's not, it's not allowing for the reality of them having to uh, understand who they are in Christ and their relationship uh, separate from ours, mm-hmm. right? And, and you talked about another, uh, and I, forgive me because this is so passionate for me, but for, for speaking so much, but. You talked about something, another impact or another reason why or, you know, an external force that may influence mother's self-esteem. And, you know, it could be the world. It could be your immediate environment. But I want to go to Proverbs 31. Okay. Oh, and boy. I, the, the, the strange thing is Proverbs 31 oftentimes in, in the past have been used to encourage moms, mm-hmm. encourage women. Mm-hmm. In general, mm-hmm. women in general. And it's just a beautiful, you know, Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 specifically. And um, I, and I've seen this scripture so many times and I've read it so many times. And when I be, first became a Christian, I looked at it as that's the kind of woman I want to be. Right. That's the woman I'm gonna, I want to be. And then as I continue to meditate and grow in my faith and understand who God is, that's not the person. There's nobody can be this person. Uh-huh. Nobody can it's, fully be this yeah. person. Right. It's an unattainable. It is unattainable. And we've used that to 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 try to be the perfect wife to get a man. Right. Just mm-hmm. just 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 not in the way that I believe that God allowed us to do it. And and there's, you know, in in 1028 is her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Many women have done ex, uh, excellent, excuse me, excellently. But you surpass them all. Right. So it's this whole thing of, oh, this is the epitome. And that, to be honest with you, I believe for me has played into my mental health and the way that and and to the identity that I thought that I had to be and who I had to be as a mom, this perfect mom so that I can be praised so that I can surpass them all so I can please God and please my husband so I can get the praises from the community. Mm -hmm. Right. And so even though that is absolutely not the way I believe God wants us to see the scripture, um, I do believe that he wants us to see it as 
uh, actually to see us as the praising of women, right? Yeah. As opposed to we have to be this or we're not a woman. Mm. And I think I used even scripture erroneously to uh, as a as, as a way to parent. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like what it was doing is also placing this unrealistic expectation on you. Yes. And it what I'm hearing is we need to break this cycle. Mm -hmm. It's this cycle of, you know, these are the expectations. This is what my child should reflect of me. This is what I'm putting on myself. And that in and of itself is bound to lead to some of these experiences of breakdown in our own mental health of anxiety or depression or insecurity or unworthiness. And yet in those moments, then we go even deeper into maybe unhealthy coping strategies of, okay, then I have to parent better and I have to take more Mm -hmm. control or I have to step away and reject and withdraw. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'm playing this comparison game and it's, you know, it's detrimental. I love what you said that the the vision of this Proverbs 31 woman is a celebration of all women. Mm -hmm. And so what does it look like for us? And hopefully this podcast even in and of itself has served as a conversation around just allowing moms in particular, giving moms in particular, empowering moms to be um, fully themselves as they also serve in the role, Mm -hmm. not the identity, but the role of being a mom. The role. And I love that there is this, you know, specific... You know, it, it, we don't want to conflate the two. There is role and then there's identity. And to be able to really see that it, our children are ultimately God's children, right? And, and I've learned that no matter how hard I try to believe that I have so much control over my kid, I really don't have as much, <laughs> not, not even half. I yeah. can't even give a percentage. I don't have that much control. He has given my child to me so that I can honor him. Um, when I am parenting, right? And and some of that honor may be being able to be um, kind to myself as a parent. Yeah. And I believe that that honors him, to be kind to myself as a parent. Because in turn one, I am also his child, right? And so to be kind to myself and understand that he he got me and that when, 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 I, when I practice kindness to myself, I'm able to practice that same kindness to my child, understand that he practices that same kindness to us, mm-hmm. right? And so it is just this beautiful, you know, I don't want to say like the circle of life, but, <laughs> but it's just this beautiful. The Lion King. <laughs> the Lion King, right. <laughs> but, but just this whole idea that he is... He, he is in this and it is not up to us to uphold and continue to carry this pressure and this uh, control and be, contro- and, you know, and, and, and try to control something and to control this power that we all ult- that we don't have. Yeah. That we don't have, you know, and see being when we think about the Proverbs 31 woman, seeing that Proverbs 31 woman, um, as a cel- uh, yes, as a celebration of, of of women in life and who God has made us, but how He can continue to cultivate us in those ways. But we have to give it to Him and everything He has given us. I do not have control of my daughter, yeah, in ways that I think that I do. And God has shown me continuously that you don't want to have that control because <laughs> I have messed some things up, <laughs> and I am so thankful that I have colleagues that I can refer my daughter to. <laughs> <laughs> to 
on what emerges in her adulthood. <laughs> Thank so stay ready for Deb. therapy. Right. <laughs> uh, well, I love this conversation because I feel like for me, it's it's just saying, you know, not to oversimplify a message, but but again, it's just the encouragement of how do we support moms? Mm-hmm. We we say we allow them to be human. And, mm-hmm. you know, for those of our listeners that are moms, giving yourself that permission and also taking ownership when you make a mistake, yes. because you're also modeling for your children how to do that. Right? It's not about being perfect. It's Mm-mm. about how we navigate the world when we are doing well and when we're not, when mm-hmm. we make mistakes and when we when we flourish. And I think that's the, the bigger picture of God's story of creation is that we constantly are moving through these cycles of new birth, right? As, mm-hmm. as you step into phases of new opportunities and excitement with Amaya mm-hmm. and then um, fall mm-hmm. and then redemption. So it's yes. this constant creation, fall, redemption, and then a restoration back to restoration. that relationship. And yes. so if if God has modeled that for us through the totality of the story of scripture, then as moms, we want to give you that permission to step into that, yeah. knowing that every action you're taking as a mom is creating. Mm-hmm. But through that, it's also there's fall, there's yes. redemption and there's restoration. Absolutely. So that that was beautiful. And so I hope this Mother's Day, moms, that we give ourselves the gift of kindness, ourselves the gift of uh, receiving um in in our redemption but also god has put this on my spirit just now just to maybe it's time for us to begin to forgive our own mothers mm. and what we think that they did wrong in that right and and receive and and help you know have this open hand and understand that they actually did the best that they could and that um they still loved us through our stuff yeah. And God still loved, you know, us through our junk. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he still will be there for um, when we fall, you know, and our kids are going to fall. Right. Yeah. I love that. That's so true. Forgiving our moms and forgiving ourselves and giving ourselves permission to be human. Mm. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your story. Yes. Thank you for listening to my monologues. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, you can find us on all major platforms for podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Reach out. Give us a review. Five stars are always appreciated. We'll take all the comments that you have and questions. You can find us at becomingwellpodcast.org online. Um, And we look forward to having you join us on our next episode. Thank you so much. Be well.